Welcome to On The Daily, a podcast about finding the acoustic you. I'm your host, Danielle McCleary. I am a serial optimist and a champion of people who has long been on a search to truly see people and help you peel back all of your layers and become the most acoustic, authentic, and best version of yourself. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody out there. Friends, family, not friends, family. We're friends and family now. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. I don't know if I could be more excited about my very first guest. This is a guy who I met at Lululemon years ago. Uh, he was actually my one of my managers. And I'll just give his name is Christopher Jacob Chandler. That's his email address. It's the longest email address you're ever going to know in your life. <laughs> but he uh, he came, the way that I met him is he comes up into the break room. It was like my very first or second day at Lululemon working part-time. And he goes, he stops and he like stares at me for a second and he goes, I think we're going to get along just fine. And then that's what started this like really beautiful friendship. And I can say now all these years later, Chris is one of my best friends in the whole world. He uh, checks me on my shit better than anybody else I know besides my fiance and sometimes better than her. <laughs> he is a senior soul cycle instructor uh, in Austin, Texas. He is a motivational speaker. He is a man of incredible spirituality and faith. He is a husband. He is a dog dad. He is all of the things and so much more. And I'm just so excited for you guys, wherever you are out there, to um, hear his story, because I think it is so valuable to so many. So hi, Chris. Hi, what an introduction. <laughs> you want me to keep going? I can. I think we're going to get along just fine. <laughs> like the eyeballs you gave me, like you like gave me the like your little smirky eyeballs. A little shoulder shimmy too. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. So um, I want to start every episode, and this is not special to you, but you're going to be the first one to do it with me. Something we learned at Lululemon, which was coming into every episode with a clearing. And that's basically anything that's on your heart, good, bad, pretty, not pretty, whatever. Just anything that's on your heart that you feel like letting into the world is important to do before we jump into my questions for you today. So I would love for you to start. What's your clearing? I think there's a couple things on my mind. I um number one, have been thinking a lot, a lot about time, like time in general. And I know this isn't like a typical, a typical Lululemon clearing is like what's holding you back from being present. But I also, I, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to be doing like what I've been thinking about. So I've been thinking a lot about time and how we speak about time and how we interact with our time. And our, our friend Pixie always says like, our time is our most valuable resource. You will never get it back. And so thank you so much for spending your time with us. And so I am a on this kick right now about being really intentional with my time and recognizing that I am in control of my schedule and being really specific with how I speak about my time instead of like, ugh, I'm too busy or ugh, I have so much on my plate or uh, when my schedule frees up, I'll go after that or what. Instead, shifting my language to recognizing that like, no, everything that I do with my time is a choice. Like me being here, creating time on my schedule is a choice saying like, hey, this is important to me. Or me being on my phone and scrolling Instagram is a choice. And that is something that like I've said is important for that time. And so 
that's what I've been thinking about. I think my clearing is that I, right before we started, I got like that feeling like, oh God, I have to poop. You know that feeling. We talk yeah. about that all the time. All the time. But I was like, oh my gosh, like what if I screw this up? Oh my gosh, what if I, all these like, you know, limiting beliefs that of course like come into your head when you're starting anything new. And I just need to take a second to realize that I'm literally just having a conversation with my best friend that I have all the time. It's <laughs> <laughs> just being recorded. So let's do this. <laughs> let's do this. Um, well, thank you. I love what you, I love how you kind of entered this with like time because like, you know, I think time is such a precious gift and I say it all the time. Chris and I work together in so many different areas of our life. Like it's not just soul cycle. It's not just, you know, being friends. It's not just what Lululemon, like we, we run businesses together. We do so much and we always talk about time. So I appreciate you starting us off with that because my first question for you is what, in your opinion, what does it mean to live acoustically? And tell me a little bit about your journey and how you live an acoustic life. Uh, what does it mean for me to live acoustically? So when I think of acoustic, I think of like a, I think of an acoustic guitar and an acoustic guitar feels like home to me, even though I've never played it, but just the sound of it makes me feel calm. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy. It makes me feel at peace. And I think the same thing can be said about what it means for us to be acoustically ourselves. Like when I am myself fully, wholly, and authentically, I feel warm. I feel at home. I feel peaceful. And it's truly something that it, it it almost feels like you're floating. Have you ever done one of those float tanks before, D? Yeah, I lasted like three minutes and I was like, nope, nope gotta go. What's happening? Okay. I understand the concept. So float tanks, people that are listening, if you haven't experienced it, it's a, it's a, a big tub full of salt water and there's so much salt in it that you float in it. And then they turn off all the lights and it's supposed to be this experience where it feels like you are just floating in space. And you truly do kind of lose that that sense of where where am I? And I think that's what it means to be acoustically ourselves is that we're not necessarily aware of how we're different from everything else around us. We just kind of are. And we just be. And that's to me what it means to feel acoustically ourselves. So my journey to feeling me, to feeling like I could take up space without having to like worry about, am I going to bump into someone or am I going to load off the charts or whatever? It's been a long one because I grew up believing that who I was, who I am, was not worthy of existing. I grew up in Midwest Chicago, suburban Chicago land. Chicago. And I had, I want to preface this by saying I had the most amazing upbringing and I had the most amazing parents in the whole entire world. And they only knew what they knew. So they're doing, they just, they did the best that they could. Shout out to Connie. Shout out to Connie and, and Ron and Ron, my father and grew my my dad uh, passed away in 2013, and so that's a part of my story of, of becoming acoustically myself. But at a very young age, I found out that I am gay. And <laughs> <laughs> <Surprise>! <gasps> Gasp! 
And uh, a lot of people are like, how did you know? When did you know that you were gay? Blah, blah. It's like, you you just, for ex- for me, my experience is, you know, and for me, it was a very physical response and we're going, we're going there. Okay. People always ask me and I kind of say it to them and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I knew I was gay when I had a wet dream and it was me having ex- a sexual experience with a man. And that was me growing up in puberty. And, and the, the moment I woke up, I experienced so much shame because I talked myself out of it 17 million times. It's like, no, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. And then it kept happening night after night as my body was changing, as I was learning who I was. And all of a sudden, I, I closed off. Like I closed off my sexuality. I closed off my attraction because I believed growing up based on what I was taught that me being attracted to men meant that I was an abomination, that I would not be ever to have ever be able to have a quote unquote normal life, that I was never loved, would never be loved, that I would never, that all my friends would hate me, that my parents would disown me. And I, I truly believed this growing up. And when you believe that for a very long time, it starts to become your truth. And so I stuffed it all in and I did everything I possibly could to not have downtime. So I um, was in volleyball and played club volleyball so that I was doing it year round. I was in swimming. I was in like volunteer groups and honor society and, and was just said I was in youth group and said yes to basically everything. And that's where I found out that I could be a chameleon. I could be what other people wanted me to be while still being truthful to myself. And I recognized that when people liked who I was, my immediate reaction would be like, well, if they only knew this part of who I am. Oh, wow. And so that's when I got to the point of being like muting certain parts of who I am so that I could be accepted by other people um, or be accepted in those groups. And it wasn't until I got to college and I went to a private Christian university that I actually studied the Bible from an academic perspective and learned so many different things beyond just a strict literal interpretation of which isn't even a literal interpretation isn't possible because we're always putting our own lens of what things mean on it. And so the more that we get other people's perspectives and learn more from it, it we're able to see what is possibly meant. But that's a tangent right there. Hmm. And I finally, it was junior year of college, and I was in one of my biblical studies professor's classes, and I remember this distinct, warm feeling coming over my body, and we were talking about different scriptures of where it mentions homosexuality, and and one more back step is like, church was my life. Like, I was a part of church three to four times a week. We had house groups. We had small groups. We went to two different church services a week. Like it was very much a part of our social life. And so when I was 21 and I was in that class and I had this feeling and we were just like, oh my gosh, I can be me because I truly see that on the other side of what people think about scripture is this loving, 
beautiful entity that says like I made you and you're beautiful as you are and it was that and I kind of have chills coming down at my spine right now because there is so much hurt and so much shame and so much putting people in boxes because of people's interpretation of this 2000 year old book that we don't open ourselves up to the expansiveness of what love truly is. And for me at that moment, I recognized that I could be myself and I could love myself as much as I was putting love out there. And so it ended up being a wild journey after that. So my father got diagnosed with cancer at the end of senior year. And he got diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, and it was just earth shattering. Didn't know how I was going to finish my last semester of college. Was like, what's going to happen? Is dad going to die tomorrow? What's happening? And he went through his first round of chemo, did like this crazy clean diet. And four weeks after his first round of chemo, he was declared cancer free. And it was like, what the heck is going on? And then just as quickly as it went away, it came back and it came back with a vengeance. And in May of 2013, he was admitted to hospice. Now, at this time, I had not come out to him because of prior conversations that I had had with him. And I knew that it would be, it would take a whole lot of courage and it would have to take me standing in my light and in my truth without knowing if I would be accepted to let my dad in on this part and say like, Hey, you can love me fully. And there's some, some details about the story that I could, I'm going to leave out, but essentially there was this part in, in my dad's journey in hospice where I saw that he was able to love a multitude of other people who had hurt him before. And I recognized that if I am who I am and I had no choice over this, then surely my dad, who loved these people who made intentional choices against him, could love me fully. And so everybody was in the hospital room in hospice. And I said, everybody get out. I need to have a moment with dad. And I grabbed his hand. And th at this point, he was cognitive, but then he would like fall back asleep. And then he would wake back up and like have a really clear moment and then speak gibberish. And so I was like, I want to make sure that he knows that this is what is happening. And so I was like, dad, I, I need your attention. Like I need you to be here as best as you possibly can. He's like, I'm here, I'm here. And I said, I've been wanting to share this with you for so long. And I saw that you give love fully. And I saw the way that you loved other people. And I'm asking for that love right now because dad, I'm gay. And he just turned to me and looked me in my eyes and he started crying. And he's like, son, I love you more than you could possibly know. And I love you no matter what. And I love you just as you are. And that was the moment where I feel like I set myself free. Damn. Because that was the that was me being like, okay, if my dad, who had all these thoughts and feelings prior to having cancer about the subject, could love me and choose and accept me, then anybody who has any sort of other feelings about me, I don't have to worry about. 
Like I just, I just don't. And the moment that I do, I'm robbing myself of the beauty of standing in the truth of who we are. And so ever since then, it's been a process of showing up fully as I am, unpacking a lot of baggage, doing a lot of inner child work, <laughs> recognizing that I, who I am is enough. I'm beautiful. Like I am strong. I am capable. I'm enough. And the reason why I probably say that in my soul cycle classes is because that's the work that I have done so much is, is, is believing and truly owning the fact that I am enough to take up space in this world. And so I truly want that to happen where other people can feel that they are enough as well. And it's kind of the metaphor or the example of, okay, if I have a light, you know, like at a, at a, uh, like a eulogy or um, a vigil, everybody kind of takes a candle and it has like that little piece of paper so the wax doesn't go around your hand. Um, yeah. And it starts with one candle. So I have the candle lit and you don't. I'm going to take my candle and I'm going to go to your candle and I'm going to light it. But guess what happens? My candle stays lit, but yours is now lit too. And then you have the capability to light more candles because your light is your truth. And that's not something that can go away unless you're the one that blows it out. Yeah. And so that is a very abridged journey <laughs> of what it meant for me to be acoustically myself. And if, I mean, you know my story. So if there's more questions about that that you want me to dive into, I would, I'm an open book when it comes to that. No, I think it's just interesting. I mean, I thank you so much for that answer because yeah, we could go on and on and on and on and on about childhood, you know, childhood. childhood. We could go on and on about that. But I think, I just think back to like, when I met you, your dad had just passed not that long ago. And I don't know if you and I ever had the conversation of like, I'm gay. But when I met you, I was like, maybe that's just because like, I also like I'm queer as well. Right. Um, obviously I was like married to a man at that time, but whatever I had dated women. So maybe it's just that I like saw in you what was in me, but I always knew. And it was so funny because people would ask me if you and I were dating and I was like, what? No. Chris is gay. <laughs> <laughs> people would look at me like, what? No, he's not. I'm like, no, I mean, I think he is. And so it's just so funny to hear you talk about this now because like you were so at peace with yourself and even more so because of what you had just experienced with your dad and like what a beautiful thing that like you after your dad passed as like heartbreaking and I mean obviously my dad is very sick right now too and kind of and at the end of his life but you mentioned something about how your dad had been able to forgive people and I think it just dawned like literally as you were talking it just dawned on me that maybe like people that are about to pass, you know, from this earth or wherever we go after this life, maybe that's like the most acoustically we ever get. I mean, maybe that's, that's as, as acoustic and raw as we are ever going to be in this life. And it's so cool that your dad passed that to you as oh, yeah. he was passing. So then by the time, like when I met you, it wasn't, you know, you were just who you were and there was no, I don't even know if I, I, I didn't even care. Like I, I just, I just knew you for being you and you've always to me been one of the most 
quote, acoustic people I've known. And I think that's why you and I connected the way we have over the years. And I've heard your story a lot, but it's just so always so interesting hearing, hearing it again and picking up on new things that I'm like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Why, why he, you know, why you've been on the journey you've been on. And it's so funny because our culture is so obsessed with sexuality and we're sexual beings. So rightfully so, but like in a crazy way, we're obsessed with sexuality. And to me, it wasn't necessarily something that I had to shout from the rooftops at that mm-hmm. point because I was so immersed in my grief. And if I didn't feel safe around someone, I would I would skirt the subject or blatantly tell them a lie. Like, I, I just mm-hmm. wouldn't out of self-preservation. Yeah. And it's so funny, like, when I was like, okay, it's time for me to to share this with people. So funny. Nick Prattley. Nick Prattley. Oh, hi, Nick Prattley. If you're listening to this, I love you, Nick. But he, at the moment, thought I was straight. And it wasn't because I was hiding anything. It just we had never talked about it. And um, at that moment, I had been dating Brad. And uh, Brad was in, Brad is my husband. And we worked at Soul Cycle Pasadena together. And Brad was sitting on the bench. And Nick was right at the front desk. And he goes, Chris. I have someone for you. And I was like, well, and he goes, she's beautiful. She's amazing. She's uh. and, and I was like, well, Nick, I, I, I have, I have some news. And he goes, what? I'm, I'm dating Brad. And he goes, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. No. Shut the fuck up. No, no. And he goes, prove it to me. Prove it to me. Stick your tongue down his throat. Oh my <laughs> Gosh, I remember that. And then he did a cartwheel, and then he goes, "Just so you know, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but toot toot, I'm really good at officiating weddings." Like the first time we told him that we were dating. Yeah, yeah, he was. Oh my gosh, that is such a good story, y'all. I will tell you a little scoop before I ask this next question. So I meet Chris, we become best friends. I'm like, you should audition for SoulCycle because you'd be amazing at it. And he was writing a whole bunch and he was like, well, maybe. And then he auditions and then he gets it and he sails through instructor training. He gets on the schedule. He's this amazing instructor. And I'm like, we have crossovers, which means like classes right after each other. In terms of Danielle, Danielle is living her best life because her best friend works with her now at her favorite place. And we get to cross over together and see each other all the time and everything is amazing. And then he meets Brad. And Brad, if you don't know Brad, you should go follow Brad on Instagram because this man looks like he's 30 and he's in his 40s and he doesn't age and he's the most beautiful man on the planet and the most like amazing soul. And then he tells me that they're dating and he, when you told me you were dating, you almost told me like you were like making sure that I knew that you were gay and you told me, and I will never forget it. We were in the car on the 134 freeway heading towards my house about to get off the Figueroa exit. And you're like, I'm dating Brad. And I was like, duh. Like I was just like, duh, because we all saw it. But then they fall madly in love, and then they get engaged at Soul Cycle, which that's a whole other story. They got engaged at Soul Cycle. I helped Brad like plan the whole thing during a team ride that Chris and I did. It was called the Danler Ride. Shout out to all the Soul Cycle people listening. And then they announced they're moving to fucking Texas. <laughs> like, well, that is not at all my plan. So. Thanks so much for that, Brad. But yeah, I mean, yours and Chris, yours and I mean, you're Chris, yours and Brad's story is just nothing short of awesome. And you both are, 
yeah, I mean, you both are just, you're amazing. You guys are just amazing, amazing humans. And you really do like live out loud in full technicolor. And it's just really, it's awesome. Thanks, D. Yeah. Okay. So what are the five, in your opinion, your five biggest layers that you've peeled back in your life? Like categorically, what are the five, you can expand on them a little, but you know, like what are the five biggest layers you've peeled back? Um, number one is, is definitely stemming from growing up, sexuality, being accepted, is caring less about what people think about me. And so that is layer number one that I have pulled back. And every now and then there are definitely fibers from peeling it back that are like, hey, come back down here. And I have to remind myself, like, that doesn't serve me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the opinions that matter in my life. and Am I being true to like my team, my group, myself, and everything else can kind of just is noise. And so that's number one. Number two is actually body image Mm. and peeling back layers of what it means for me to take up space as I am in a physical body. Because growing up, I definitely was overweight. And in eighth grade, I played football and there was a weight limit and I was 25 pounds over the weight limit. And I had to lose weight in order to play football. And it was a blessing and a curse too, because then I was like, oh, I need to be a certain size in order to be accepted. And Mm. then at that point, I lost more weight and people were like, oh, Chris, you look good. And then girls started to notice me. And then it was like, oh, this is my key for God to love me because girls and I will get along. And so it's the whole package that was to get that was enveloped together. And so recognizing that my body is going to change over time. And that there are going to be seasons for my body and I'm going to love my body as it is. And that's part of the reasons why if you go to my Instagram, like I'm going to be wearing my Speedo on my Instagram. Is that It's amazing, I'm- you guys. Like you have to go look at his Instagram and, you know, go look at his Speedos. And there's like, it's me even, we're always the most self-critical about what our bodies look like in photos and in the mirror and so on and so forth. But that's me just being like, okay, I may have thought X, Y, and Z, but I'm going to put myself out there. People matter more than things is level level, uh, layer number three. Door number three. And that had to do with my dad dying. And I, I, I went to school and I was a business administration major. And I've always had a focus on people and loving people. But there was always this like, until I get this car and this type of house and whatever, then, then I'll be fully happy. And then I, I, I'll quote unquote made it. Like I would have made it. And the truth is after my dad died, I had this whole soul searching moment where I'm like, everything that my dad built, like doesn't matter to me physically. Like everything that my dad gave to us, whether it was a, a TV that he bought us for Christmas or yeah. a, like he remodeled our house growing up, like all that stuff doesn't matter to me because what's left is the memories that I have. And so I don't know the quote exactly, but it's basically 
people will remember how you make them feel. People will remember how you make them feel. And that's what I'm left with. And with my dad and that has impacted like I'm going to do my best to make people feel like they are loved like they are capable and they are enough and yeah. whatever I need to do to do that that's my that's part of my life mission and then kind of going into that is when I'm thinking about gifts or when I'm thinking about like what I want in this life or experiences are number one mm-hmm. what we get to experience and in, in hearing and experiencing different cultures and different opinions and seeing where we can learn from is mm-hmm. better than any sort of physical gift or like physical thing that we, and don't get me wrong. Like I love nice things and I, oh, really? I, and there's nothing wrong with liking nice quality things. And it's more about like creating an idol out of those things. If we're going mm-hmm. back to, Christianity speak it's like don't make an idol out of those things there's mm-hmm. there's there's blessing in everything but the moment that you put so much emphasis on something it becomes an idol that you worship and you just kind of have to check yourself every now and then and then my last one that ties in with caring less about what people think is not everyone is thinking about you <laughs> we go around the world in our days doing so much based on what we think other people are thinking about us, but that truly, some people, some of it may be true in your head. Like, sure, it may be true. But for the most part, all the stories and scenarios and all that stuff that you're making up in your head is far from the truth of what is actually happening because everybody else is having that same conversation about themselves. Right. So they're not worried about that. And I, it goes back, to, I shared this quote, it's from a monk, I forget his name, but it's in Jay Shetty's book. It's like, I am not what I think I am. I am not what you think I am. I am what I think you think that I am. Mm-hmm. And that is the space where we really get to unravel that tie that we have with identity and our actions of how we interact with the world based on what I believe other people believe about me. Totally. I think, I mean, yeah, I I mean, I totally agree with that. And I think that I, that's one thing I say in my soul cycle classes a lot. And just like in life to anybody is you don't focus so much on what you think other people are thinking, focus on what you are thinking and what you are doing. And I guarantee you, if you thought as highly about yourself as that person does, you would be in an entirely different place. You know, like anytime I've ever had like limiting beliefs or self-doubt, I always think to myself, like, I need to think of myself right now the way that Breezy thinks of me. Right. Totally. Because if I can do that all the time, woo, woo. This girl is on fire. <laughs> So you kind of just said it, but I mean, let's take that one. Let's take like how, what other people think of us and like, what are, give me like quickly, like a couple tangible things that people can be doing right now to make sure that they're not letting that layer, that limiting belief take over their life. There's a few different tangible tips that you can do Um, because typically it's not everybody is thinking about you that also can be imaginary people that you interact with, like what media you consume. And so one of the things that you can do is audit your social media. 
like know that you are in charge of the media that you consume. No one is saying that you have to consume X, Y, and Z. Like you are in charge of the things that you let yourself see. And so do an audit for yourself. Anything that doesn't make you feel your best or makes you feel less than, it's time to, to take a break from it. Time to, to give it a rest for a little bit. Whenever I find myself really believing something that I'm telling myself, is this really true? Is this really true? Did I hear from that person's mouth that they said that? Or did I hear directly from them? Did I, did I hear that truthfully? And even if I did hear that clearly from that person's mouth, I ask for clarification. Like, is this what you meant? Because we can interpret so many, like one thing, so many different ways. A statement can be interpreted so many different ways by so many different people. And so remember, ask yourself, is this true? Is this true? Mm -hmm. And then a third tip, which isn't necessarily something in the moment, but it's something to continually be filling your mind with things that will, that bring it to its highest level. So especially when it comes to thinking about every other, other people, the four agreements, the four agreements, Mm -hmm. 100% necessary read, especially the four agreement that nothing is personal. Even if it feels personal, nothing is a directly personal action ever, truly, because typically if you are hurt by something, someone, they are acting out of a space of hurt themselves. And so it is a reflection of of the misery that they may be experiencing, or they just might be ignorant. And that's not something that to take personally, feel your feels, obviously do your thing and know that it's not about you. And it's not your job to take that on. It's not your job to take it on. And I do want to do like a little asterisk. When we fuck up, own it. Like Own yeah. it. Yes. yes. Own it. Like when you make a mistake, yes, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the situations that like we make up in our head sometimes. And No, like if you were an asshole, own that. <laughs> yeah. Like, like hey, yeah. 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 I mean, but that also like that sets you free too. You know, like that. Being able to like admit when you're wrong and like call it and be like, you know what? I take accountability. You can move on from things so much faster because I think when we don't do that, that's when we start to have those like irrational conversations in our head because it's stuff that we've done personally too that's now manifesting in like what other people might be thinking. And it gets, it's like a really slippery slope. Yeah. It's like we create a God complex for ourselves and we're like, hello, take a seat. Like we're all just doing our best. Totally. And one thing I'll add is I think comparison, judgment, fear, those are such low vibrational frequencies. Let's talk about vibrational frequencies. Oh my gosh. No, but it's true. Like if we talk about like a vibrational frequency scale, those feelings, fear, anxiety, judgment, like those are all so low on that, on that frequency scale where empowerment, pride, like good pride, not you know, not yeah. don't go too far with that, but you yeah. know, joy, love, enlightenment, those are all the highest. Vibration. Yeah, that's the highest vibrational frequency. So if we can do these tangible steps to kind of switch our vibration, oh my gosh, can you imagine what the state of the world would be in? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. That's why I'm, one of the reasons why I'm doing the kindness challenge right now. So, yeah, tell me about that. So, the kindness challenge is 
every day I send out a text message at 8 a.m. with a kindness prompt, something that you can do either for yourself or for your community and the people around you to make sure that what you're doing with your day is intentional and you know that you gave back, back to yourself or to other people. And similar to the light metaphor that I said before, I believe kindness is just that way. Like if you've ever been in a Starbucks drive through or if you've ever been in, and the person in front of you buys your drink, like you are very likely to be like, oh my gosh, I want to pay it forward. Let me do that. Or if people are helping out someone that's in need and they're donating money and it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, like I want to chip in. Like I want to be a part of it. Like I truly mm -hmm. believe at the core of who we are, people want to do good and want to be kind. It's just that at some point along the way, we either believe a lie or get tricked into it or we get caught up in the rat race or whatever and we make mistakes. And so 31 days with intentionality. I don't know when this podcast will drop, but who knows um, if we'll still be doing it, but maybe we'll go into February. Who knows? March, April, May, every day, 2021, all kindness every day. Yeah. I love that. What are you right now in this moment? Not like on a global scale, but just right now in this moment, as you sit in your closet, he's, I can see him right now and he's literally sitting in a closet. What in this moment are you most proud of right now? Right now, I am most proud of making it through 2020. Ooh, yeah, we need, we deserve cake for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really freaking proud of myself. Like we have pivoted and we have made a way especially in our businesses and mm. i am so proud and thankful of how we are are moving into 2021 i agree with that what are you most proud of so i'm most proud of the fact that right now my one of my first podcast episodes is with my best friend in the whole world and yeah. I'm having a blast this is so fun I'm like can you just be my guest all the time like maybe we should have co-hosted this <laughs> we can I can guest co-host we can do this anytime but yeah I'm really I'm really proud of it I think I think like 2020 was a year where I Breezy and I were talking about this we had a whole year where on paper I was wildly successful you know on paper I was very successful but then at the end of the year I looked back and I was like mm, I don't know I just feel like there were so many things I really wanted to do that I didn't. And I kind of let the monotony of 2020 just kind of take hold. And so I'm really proud of the fact that I like really did as symbolic as January 1st is. I dove in and I set goals for myself and I started this podcast. And, you know, I, my producer, Chase, I was, I, when I first talked to him, it was less than a month ago. I was like, I want to launch in January. And he's like, oh, wow, that's fast. I'm like, yeah, but we're, we're fine, right? We can do it. Like having no idea if we could do it. But yeah, I'm really proud of that right now. What's your five-year goal? Any five-year goal. Yeah, like give me one big five-year goal you have. House paid it's off. five years from now. Oh, wow. That's, a, that's like a very like literal financial goal, house paid off. That's huge. You guys haven't lived there very long. No. And you're going to pay it off. I love that. That is, it, it'll require some serious saving and serious discipline. And it's totally possible. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I told you this already, but I committed to 2021 being the year that I don't spend like frivolous money on clothes because in 2020, I basically pretended like it was my job to keep free people in business. 
Because they're a small business, right? They're a small business. Yeah. I mean, I supported a lot of small businesses too. Oh, you did. You did. I, I supported everybody who needed it in 2020. Right. You did. <laughs> and so in 2020. Every time we FaceTime, I'd be like, what are you opening, D? I got, oh, I literally, our house looked like a package depot. Like every day it was four or five. It was so bad. It was so bad. Breezy was ready to leave me, I swear. But I did clean out all of my clothes. And so she was really proud. And, and you made so many people happy because they did a happy dance because you supported their small business. 100%. So I was really proud of myself for that. But I also, I have the same financial goal of saving a lot of money in the next couple of years. So Great. good. We can hold each other accountable. That's my last question. My last big question. Um, but before I let you go, I'm going to start this thing. And you're again, the first one doing this. We're going to do quick fire questions. Great. So it's going to be one minute. I'm going to ask you as many quick fire questions as possible. And you don't get time to think about it. You say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. My eyes are closed. I noticed that. <laughs> okay. Ready. Here we go. Favorite color. Blue. Favorite place. Uh, Mexico. Favorite person. Brad. Favorite dog. Buddy. Yes. Favorite food. Pizza. You're going to a deserted island. You can take three things. What are they? Oh my gosh, three things. I would take my cell phone, I would take an axe, and I would take a volleyball. Cool. Uh, you're getting on an airplane. Where are you going? Uh, Mexico. You can say one thing to one person right now. Who is it and what would you say? Uh, to my mom. I freaking love you. I freaking love Connie too. Favorite article of clothing you own? Um, the shirt that I'm wearing. Mm, spaghetti or tacos? Tacos all the way. Tacos or breakfast sandwiches? Breakfast sandwiches. Breakfast sandwiches or dessert pastries? Breakfast sandwiches. Breakfast sandwiches or breakfast burritos? Breakfast burritos. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather go to a lake or the ocean? Lake. Would you rather see the sunrise or the sunset? Sunrise. That's it. That's one minute. Nice. How'd I do? You did really good. You answered really fast. I was like, is pizza actually my favorite food, though? Is that just what I want right now? <laughs> That's what I want right now. I want that so bad. Um, well, thank you for doing this with me. I love you. You did it. Your first episode. <laughs> you did it. Um, you're the best. Um, go ahead, plug yourself. Where can people find you? You can find me at Christopher Jacob Chandler. Yes, my full name, because there are so many Chris Chandlers in the world. Christopher Jacob Chandler on Instagram. Um, I am on the SoulCycle Varus Digital Classes on that app. I'm on the Rise app. I, yeah, that's where you can find me. Amazing. Well, thanks. Oh, and then okay. if you want to sign up for my January Kindness Challenge. Oh, be, yeah. Go to my Instagram bio and click that link. Amazing. You're the best. You. I love you. I love you too. Uh, first of all, how amazing is Chris Chandler? When I tell you that he is literally one of my favorite people on the planet, I am not exaggerating. And I hope now you see why. Please go follow him. Follow his husband. His content is amazing. And he is just the same anywhere you meet him in this life. It's not like you're just getting the real version of him on this podcast. You will get the most authentic version of him no matter where it is that you cross paths with him in this life. And 
just one of the reasons why I love him. If you loved the episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. This is my first episode. It is launch day, and I could not be more excited. I cannot believe this is happening, and it's real, and it's so awesome. Next week, Tuesday, January 26th, I will. we are launching our second episode, and it is with my friend Pixie Asia, who is one of the most unique humans maybe I've ever met. Her journey to who she is today is one for the books. She has such a good outlook on life. She surfs. She believes in taking care of herself. She's a wellness expert. She's a fitness expert. She's created uh, surf retreats in El Salvador. She's incredible. And you definitely do not want to miss that episode. So we will see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, time is our most precious gift. And I'm so grateful you gave me yours today.